0: Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Merry Christmas, everyone. We're super excited that you're worshiping with us today. And uh, I'm excited about this season at our church. All of you, when you came in, you had our our little Christmas ornament invite on your chair. Feel free to grab that, put it in your pocket, put it in your purse, hang on to it, because next week when you're out in public, out at work out shopping in the community, shop local, amen, and then uh, when you're out engaging people, engaging your neighbors, man, invite them to our Christmas Eve Eve service. It happens on a Sunday. It's not going to be out of anyone's normal schedule, so bring them here because we've got an amazing, amazing day planned for all of us. And... uh, December 30th we wanted to tell everyone we haven't actually had a child dedication in a really a really long time um, I think it's because, you know, all my babies are grown now. And uh, now that we're about to have another baby, I'm thinking, child dedication. Uh, and actually, it's our team. Our team is the one that came to us and said, you know, we did a baptism, but we haven't done a child dedication in a while. So, December 30th, we're actually going to do a child dedication. So, if you've never dedicated your child to the Lord, uh, we actually talk about that on December 30th, what that means and where it came from. Then feel free to, 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 to be here that weekend. Um, sign-ups for that begin next week, and so there'll be a sign-up sheet out at the outlet. Tell us which service you're going to come to. We'll take a part of the service and actually dedicate our children to the Lord. I'm, I'm just good to be here, amen? I'm, I'm happy to be in the house of the Lord. You guys are my people. We were, we were in uh, Pittsburgh last weekend, and uh, we were with another church, and they're great. They're doing amazing things there. But it's nothing like being home with your people. These are my people. This is where I come from, you know what I mean? Like, this is, this is it's nothing like the sound of our house. I leaned over to Tyra first service, and I'm like, man, there is nothing like the sound of our house. And I love you guys, and I'm honored to celebrate Jesus. I'm honored to celebrate Christmas with you. I'm honored to, uh, to talk about Mary in Bright Part 2. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we were—I I had the—I had the extreme privilege of taking our family to New York City last weekend. I mean, it was the bucket list item of all bucket list items to be able to celebrate Christmas in New York City, the Big Apple, you know what I mean? And we did all the touristy things. We we went to Rockefeller Plaza, saw the tree. Melissa was there. Her and James came down from Connecticut. It's funny, she's in church today with us also. Like, this girl lives everywhere. So uh, she's all over the globe. But uh, her and James came down, and we, we saw Rockefeller Plaza. We saw Saks Fifth Avenue, the big holiday display. You know, all the touristy things, that's what we did. We survived the subway. It's not as scary as you think it is. You know, that that was the most scary thing for me, I think, was like, we're going to have to ride the subway. Like, are are we going to be safe? You know, like I hear about all kinds of things that happen on the subway. The subway is completely safe. And uh, it was a it was an amazing encounter, an amazing experience. We um we went by Radio City Music Hall. We uh we went to an off off Broadway theater. <laughs> you know, there's Broadway, and then there's off Broadway. We went to an off off Broadway theater. It was way off-Broadway, okay? In fact, the only time that I was a little bit concerned about my family's well-being was when we went to that theater, and I was the one that actually picked the show, and so it's kind of my fault. Uh, Tyra found a great price on some tickets. Now we know why they were a great price. And so it was a little bitty playhouse kind of place, a little family-owned theater. Uh, We saw A Christmas Carol, and it wasn't quite the version that we thought it was supposed to be, it was fun. We had a good, we had a great time and, and we all prayed in the Holy Ghost. Anyway, so it was, it was great to, to check that off our bucket list. You know, in all, I as mean, it's, it's incredible as it was, and all the splendor and all the bigness that is New York City, there was one thing that I, it was overwhelming, Tyra and I were talking about this, is the people, it really is. Everybody there, um, like, we're tourists. We're just the ones in the way of everybody else who lives there. And there was a, there was a very closed-off mentality, I guess, or, or air of the people in New York. They all had their earbuds in. They all were face down, and they were all going someplace. New York's very busy. And everybody's going someplace and everybody's doing something. And it is as magical of an opportunity as it was for our family to go and to experience New York City, the Big Apple during Christmas time. The one thing that I think was one of the biggest takeaways was just how closed off, how they they were so busy living, but it's almost like they had no life. Are you with me? And, of course, it wasn't everyone. And, you know, perception is greater than reality. I understand that. But it's like there there was no Jesus in Christmas. Are you with me, friends? It takes Jesus to make Christmas special. I mean, they all had their holiday trees up. And I'm not going to get real political here and say, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm offended because they say happy holidays and not Merry Christmas, and I'm not going to get into all of that. Christmas is a holiday. People can say happy holidays. I understand that. But you felt it in New York. You felt a little bit of the offense of Christmas, which is why they had the holiday tree, which is why they said happy holidays. We even went to St. Peter's Cathedral. St. Peter's, right? St. Peter's Cathedral, and just massive, beautiful place. And everybody in was just, they, they were just, they were admiring the architecture and missing Jesus. Does this make sense, friends? And it, and it caught me a little bit off guard. We can't take Christ out of Christmas. And I just thought it, 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 it important to pause today and even if we know, like we live in, in Oklahoma, right, the buckle. We know why Christmas is Christmas. But I still think it's important as believers um, to, to pause and to remember why Christmas is merry and bright. Because I looked inside the eyes of a lot of people and I just don't feel like Christmas was very merry or very bright for them. And maybe it's because they don't understand the history of Christmas, They don't understand the story of Christmas. You know, I used to think Jesus just popped on the scene at the birth, right? The birth, that's, you know, sweet baby Jesus at the manger, like that's the first time Jesus was introduced in the Bible. No, Jesus was actually with God from the beginning. In fact, scriptures talked about Jesus in the Old Testament. And the reason why they call it the Old Testament was it was because before Jesus was born. But yet, even in the Old Testament, it starts talking about Jesus and the mention of a Savior coming. Well, why did the world even need a Savior? Well, if you understand the Bible, and and again, there's a lot of us that worship at Your Place Church who we don't even really believe in totally that there is a God, that there is a Jesus. And so this is how we say it. You can belong before you believe, because it doesn't take you much time at all being in an environment like this before you do believe, because you see the truth. And the Bible says, once you see the truth, it's the truth that will set you free, which is why we talk a lot about the truth. We talk a lot about Scripture. And there's some things that we have been set free from. And so we like to talk about those. And so people don't understand that. People don't understand that when God created the world, he created it perfect. When he created mankind, he created us perfect, sinless, without a spot, wrinkle, or blemish. We were actually created to live forever. Like humans, we're never supposed to die The earth was never supposed to to wilt and wither away. It was supposed to live forever. And it was going to be this beautiful, happy family, this amazing experience where there was no hate, there was no crime, there was no sin. But what happened was when Adam and Eve sinned, when they ate from the tree, right, sin entered the world. And everything that God created, everything that he, his vision for what creation was going to be in that moment began to decay. In that moment, human beings had a life expectancy. In that moment, the earth began to groan, the Bible says, when sin entered the world. But here's what you need to understand, and this is why Christmas is Christmas. In that moment, from the moment they ate or took a bite of the apple, okay, the fruit, The tomato, the radish, I don't know what it was. It was the bite of the fruit from that moment sin entered the world. God had a plan of redemption, and his plan was Jesus. We see it all the way throughout history. Psalm 72, Old Testament. May all kings fall down before him. Who's the him he's talking about? A soon-coming savior. All nations will serve him. Isaiah chapter 9, these are are the scriptures that we hear around Christmas, but what we don't realize is they were before Jesus. They were talking about a soon-coming king, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Foreshadowing generations before Jesus would ever walk the earth that he was coming that there was a plan to rescue mankind. Isaiah 53 says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. But look at this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Isaiah, generations before Jesus was even to arrive, was talking about his death already. Was talking about what was going to happen to this sweet baby Jesus. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. And upon, his, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds, we were or we are healed. Talking about when he would stand and, and give his life for all of creation when he would be nailed to the cross, when he would be stabbed in the side with the spear. Like, it's all talking about it before Jesus ever came to the earth because God had a plan. God had a plan for redemption. Zechariah 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he. It even talked about humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foil of a donkey. Like it it talked about everything that Jesus was going to do before it even happened. Why? Because God had a plan to rescue us. Even such details like the virgin birth Isaiah chapter 7 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall come, or shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. It talks about how he would be born from the line of Jesse in Isaiah 11, from the house of David in Jeremiah 23, verse 5. It talks about how he would be born in Bethlehem in Micah 5, uh, chapter 2. It says, But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrath, uh, who were too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel." It's talking about all these prophecies that Jesus, a Savior, would come and rescue mankind. You know, here's something I thought about today right before first service. Just like we are in hopeful expectation of the second coming of Christ, that's how all these generations were for the soon coming Messiah. Generations. He could come any minute. He could come any minute. To us, uh, the prophecies talked about, there's a Messiah coming. There's a Savior coming. There's a Savior coming. And he's gonna change everything for us. He's gonna save us. He's gonna rescue us. They're living in the same condition we find ourselves living in. There's gonna be a day he comes back. He comes to take us all home. Salvation is coming. Jesus is coming again. And just like he came in the New Testament, as a, as a baby boy, he is coming again. We have to live with that same expectation that he's coming. Amen, everyone? But why was it such a big deal? Why is, why is keeping Christ in Christmas a big deal? Why does it have to be all about Jesus anyway? can it just be about family? Can't it just be about the presents and the tree and, the, and the, the excitement that is Christmas, the magic that is Christmas? Who says our religion is right anyway? Well, long before anybody started pointing fingers at Christianity or at Christ, the Bible was. Are you with me? And the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I wanna show you from the Bible why we celebrate Christmas. Amen, everyone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that your word comes alive to us today. Father, connect the dots. Weave together the story of Christmas in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that this resonates inside of every single one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> you know, I've, I've never really had a problem Uh, with seeing blood, Merry Christmas, let's talk about blood, right? I've never had a problem with seeing blood, like you can get, you can cut yourself, and I I would be like, ooh, that hurt, stinks for you, you know? It doesn't really bother me to see blood, um, unless it's my own blood. And then for whatever reason, I don't even want it to, but whatever reason, my body freaks out when I see my own blood. Now, I'm not talking about a paper cut, I'm talking about blood, you know what I mean? And there's been a couple of times when large quantities of blood have exited my body, all right? One time, if, uh, if you've been around uh, YPC for any length of time, you've heard me tell the story. I was actually um, a mechanic, and I turned wrenches for a living, and I was working on a floor sweeper. This organization that I worked for had all kinds of different things, uh, trucks, buses, semis, cars, cars tractors, mowers, vacuum cleaners. We worked on all of them. Well, this one particular day, the housekeeping crew had brought in a floor sweeper. And this floor sweeper, it was electric, so you plugged it in and charged it up every night. But they had noticed that every day it would hold its charge less and less and less. So we knew the batteries were going out. And so it was my responsibility to take the batteries. It had like six big batteries in it. And I'm not talking about like batteries in your remote control car. I'm talking like bigger-than-car batteries, like about this big, six of them, and the way the designers designed this thing was you could put the batteries in, but you couldn't get them out, And so I tried to get my hands in there. I couldn't grab them. Uh, They make this little clamp thing that you can stick over a battery and pull up on the handle, and it would clamp and squeeze the battery, and you could pull it out. It was so tight, I couldn't even get that in there. So I had a genius idea. Get some channel locks, which are like big pliers, and just put it on the battery posts, right? Which it was dead. It wasn't going to shock me, and they were rubber handle anyway. And so I stuck one on this battery post, and I stuck one on this battery post, and I squeezed real tight, right? And then I, I lifted it up. And I'm, I'm probably about 20 at the time. And so I'm, I'm in shape, right? I've been eating my Wheaties, right? I've been working out a little bit. And so I I'd, I'd lifted it up a little bit just to give it a little test lift. And I'm like, and I set it down. I'm like, this is gonna work. This is gonna work. And so I'm like, I don't know. It it had to be at least 75 pounds. I'm thinking this big battery. It's heavy, heavy, heavy. And so I I lifted up out of the battery compartment, and I got that little muscle shutter thing going, you know what I mean, like this. And just before I got it here, before I could put it down on the ground, the right one let go. Like, it just let go of the battery. And you know if if there's force equals release pressure, I don't know the equation for it. All I know is that as that channel lock went, bam, and hit me right in the mouth. I mean, just smashed me. And of course, I dropped the battery. I hit the floor. I, I'm dazed for a little bit. I, I'm looking to see if I have all of my teeth, you know. And, uh, and I, about that time, I, I look down, and my hand's covered in blood. And so I get up, and I stumble back to the sink, and I quickly, because I know enough, put pressure on a wound, right, and I put pressure on it, and I come up, and my boss comes over and says, let me look at it, let me look at it, and so I, I take the, the paper towel away, and he's like, Aah! you know, <laughs> we got to get you to a doctor, you need stitches, and I'm like, okay, and I was fine, I was fine, I'd wash the blood off, I'm, I'm stopping the bleeding with the paper towel, and I'm, I'm headed back, and I go back around where the scene of the crime happened, right, and I look down, and one of our chief mechanics is on his hands and knees over there, and I notice he's got a paper towel, and he's doing this. And sorry if you have a weak stomach. This, it, it, it just goes to it. I thought he was cleaning up battery acid. He wasn't. He was, he was cleaning up my blood off of the ground, and he's just smearing it around, you know what I mean? Because he's trying to... And that's when it hit me. I can't see my own blood. <laughs> Because I saw it, I knew it, and just the just the knowledge of knowing that's a part of me. <laughs> I was gone. You know what I mean? And it was after it was like it was like ten minutes after the thing happened, but I saw my blood, and I got woozy. It, it, my kids know this, and so they kind of like it, it, exploited it a little bit. Taylor broke his leg in high school, right? He's in the emergency room, and there, of course it was a whatever they call it when it comes out of the skin, you know breaks the skin yeah this is Merry Christmas everyone <laughs> Happy New Year <laughs> but he's in there and I'm, I, I walk in to see him and I'm like ugh. and I turn I turn I shut the curtain and I'm like well how come I can see your blood and it doesn't affect me but then I see Taylor's blood and it and it does it's because the blood comes from the father that's you know you take a pregnancy test to, to find out who the father is And so when blood was coming out of his body, I'm like, and I'm falling over again. Why? Why is that? Because Leviticus chapter 17 says, for the life of a creature is in the blood. Think about it. No blood, no life. You You can lose a kidney. You can even lose a lung, but you cannot lose the blood. The life of the creature is in the blood and I've given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood, the Bible says, that makes atonement for one's life. Now, that word atonement is a big religious word and it's not a New Testament word, it's more of an Old Testament word and it literally means to cover. See, when we were, when we were born into sin, there had to be something to cover our sinful life, our sinful nature. And this is why they used to sacrifice animals in the Old Testament because their blood would cover our sin. In the New Testament, the word changes to reconciliation, which means to exchange. Either way, it mentions blood. Everything in the Old Testament is building for a moment in time where Jesus would come and he would sacrifice his perfect, flawless blood for all of mankind and it happens in luke chapter 1 verse 26 in the sixth month of elizabeth's pregnancy now liz here that's the sister of mary right the mother of jesus god sent an angel gabriel to nazareth to a town in galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named joseph a descendant of david so all the prophecies happening right here right now are you guys okay can, I, can we just lean in and pause here for just a second and learn? To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named jo- Joseph. They weren't even married yet. Pledged to be married. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled by his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. If you saw an angel, you too would be freaking out a little bit, All right. So Mary is just an average, ordinary, everyday woman who loves God and is trying her best to live a life that, 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 that worships him. And, a Mary, and, and an angel shows up and says, Mary, what's up, right? This whole thing happens right here. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Why did it say that? Because every person in the Bible who sees an angel, they have one response and typically it's on their face. Sucking dirt, begging God for their life, right? Because you just don't see angels. And so he says, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will call him Jesus. She knew. She had heard all those stories. She had read all of those scriptures. She understood that someday Jesus would come. And now the angel is saying, oh yeah, by the way, he's coming through you. So you can imagine her amazement here. Verse 32, he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high, which is an important part. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. She said, verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. She'd never had sex with a man. She's pledged to be married. She wants to start a family one day, but she's like, this is impossible. And that statement right there is where most of the debate around Christmas comes from. How can a man be born to a virgin? It's impossible. It's impossible. And I'm not gonna dispute it. It is impossible. But I'm also not gonna dispute the fact that it's impossible for a man to survive three days in a whale's belly. It's also impossible for a person who has been born blind to receive his sight. It's also impossible for a man who is dead for hours to come back to life. It is all impossible with man, but it is possible with God. Can I have an amen, everyone? It is absolutely impossible. But yet we don't have any problem with Jesus healing the sick. We have a problem with that phrase right there. In fact, uh, uh, someone caught me after uh, first service and said, you know, they saw a recent article where a professor had basically said that God had no right to impregnate Mary without her permission first. I'm I'm pretty sure she would have been okay with it. You know what I mean? Carrying the Son of God. And that's just it, to impregnate. People are making it something that it's not. The Holy Spirit hovered, and that, that seed inside of her came alive. Are you with me, friends? Don't make it something dirty. There's been a lot of debate on this. Why is it such a big deal that, that Mary was a virgin? Well, if it's true that the life of the blood is in every creature... Psalm 51 said, "Surely, I, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me." Why? When Ad- listen, this is going to blow your mind. when Adam and Eve sinned, that sin affected their life, and it affected their blood. and every child born after Adam and Eve was born into sin. Every child, whether they could live a completely sin-free life, but yet, according to Scripture, were sinful. You don't even have to do anything wrong, and you're still a sinner. Why? Because you were born into sin. Does this make sense? So from generations past Adam and Eve, all the way through time, no one, Has been worthy to stand before God. No one has been worthy to enter into his presence. No one could. And whether you did anything or not, by mere fact you were born, you were born into sin. Because sin hung out in your life, and your life is in the blood. Romans 5. Verse 12 says it this way. Therefore, just, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, in this way, death came to all people because all sinned, the Bible says. Nevertheless, skip on down verse 14. Death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is the pattern of the one to come. It starts talking about someone who's gonna be born after Adam. Well, who was that? It was gonna be Jesus. But if Jesus, listen to me, friends, this is mind-blowing. If Jesus was conceived the normal way, with a man and the blood from the person, our blood comes from the Father, then Jesus would be born into sin. Jesus could have lived 33 years, never had an impure thought, never committed adultery, never murdered, never stole, never did anything, and it still would not have worked if he was born with a biological father. So that's why he had to be born of a virgin, which is why you can't take Christ out of Christmas. The whole plan of redemption hinges on the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The reason you and I can stand before God spotless and clean is because of the spotless blood of Jesus Christ. His blood washes away your sin. Amen, everyone? That's a big deal. So you can't challenge the virgin birth. This is why the scriptures say what they say. It's important. In order for Jesus to be the spotless sacrifice, he could not be born into sin. So verse 35 goes on. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of, not Joseph, the Son of God. And his blood came from on high. Think about it. Joseph was Jesus' stepdad, and it worked. Blended families can work. Can I have an amen, everyone? Blended families can work. Jesus had a stepfather. I'll just let that set right there. Matthew (laughs) chapter 1 goes on. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, talking about before they consummated their marriage, right, uh, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Because if you were found to be pregnant, that means you had sex. They weren't married. She was supposed to die. He did not want to do that. So the Bible says he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Even being engaged, you had to get a divorce even though they weren't married. And so he was going to do this privately. It talks about the integrity of Joseph, man. Think about Joseph. Tyra and I were talking about this, and she, she had this heavy rabbit. She's like, you know, Joseph is mentioned all the way up through Jesus' birth, but then after Jesus' birth, like it talks about how they had all of these kids, but it doesn't mention Joseph anymore. I wonder why. And then just like John the Baptist said, you know what? He must become greater and I must become less. So as soon as he raised Jesus to fulfill his promise, Joseph, you just kind of see him back out of the scene. He's still a part of the family. He's still there. We don't know what happens to Joseph. But Joseph raised the Messiah, verse 20. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord, talking about Joseph here, appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You, Joseph, are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. How? Through the shedding of his spotless, sinless blood. Does this make sense, friends? This changes everything in the Christmas story. This is why we can't let it just be about presents, and we can't just let it be about the madness, and and yes, family, and yes, celebrate, and yes, by presents, but don't forget Jesus. This is the reason we celebrate. This is all making sense now. It's because of the blood of Jesus that we have forgiveness of sin. Can you imagine the anticipation for generations? People have been looking forward to a Messiah, and now here he is. Now he's being born. Now he's in the world. Fast forward to Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until after she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Flip the page, chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in, in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. These, these, these super smart, super, super like big men of the day, they're astrologers, they're, they, they've heard the stories of Jesus, they saw his star rise, they want to come and they want to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so what do they do? They come to a house and contrary to popular belief, he wasn't in a manger still. The Bible says as they approach the house, uh, uh, theologians tell us he was roughly about the age of two during this time. It correlates with when King Herod was in, was in power. They asked, where is the one who's to be born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it arose and we've come to worship him. And so they want to know where Jesus is. The Bible, fast forward to chap, uh, verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, not a stable, not a manger, it was a house. They saw the child, not the baby, the child with his mother, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Think about it. For generations, when they were in elementary school, they heard about Jesus. Jewish children had to learn the first five books of the Bible before they could even graduate out of elementary school. They knew the prophecies, they knew everything that was was supposed to happen. And so here's these guys. They heard that Jesus was here. And they walked up and they saw the star, and this is where the star says he is. And so they knock on the door and they open the door, and there is their Savior. Don't lose it, friends. Up to this point, they've been making sacrifices to cover their own sin. Fingers crossed that we actually get to live in eternity. Fingers crossed that 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 sacrifice was enough. But this sacrifice is gonna change the world for us. And the very first response, as they walk in and they see a child, a child, is to realize There he is. He's the one that's going to change everything for me. And not just for us, guys, for all of mankind. What a privilege it is. And so the only thing they could do, the Bible says, is they fell to their knees and worshipped him. They worshipped the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And they knew that blood is perfect. That man is perfect. And he's a child, two years old. They looked at Mary and Joseph and they said, You have such a distinct honor. You're raising my Savior. Thank you. Thank you. And then the very next response was they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh, all very valuable resources in the day. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Their response when they saw their Savior was one of great respect and value, and it brought them to their knees I can imagine them probably weeping in this moment because this this changes everything. His blood changes everything. We don't even know if they were around when Jesus gave his life, but it still worked for them and their children and their children and their children. So friends, even today, you, me, we, have been born into sin but when you receive Jesus Christ in your life the Bible says his blood doesn't cover it exchanges your life for his why do we celebrate Christmas because you've been set free you've been washed clean your blood is no longer sinful blood The old saying, I'm a sinner saved by grace is a true statement, but if you're saved, then you're not an old sinner anymore. You've been washed clean. You've been set free. Even if you sin, after you accept Jesus, the power in the blood of Jesus still keeps you clean. Does this make sense, friends? Well, I've just never been taught this, pastor. You've been taught wrong. It's all right there. So now you have the privilege to stand up straight in the presence of God, not because of what you did, but because of what he did. Amen? You get to go to heaven because of what he did. You are forgiven because of what he did. His spotless, sinless blood replaced your blood that was tainted before you did anything wrong. You don't know what I've done, pastor. It doesn't matter. You were already doomed when you were born. But the minute you said yes to Jesus, there's nothing that can make you go back. There's nothing that can cause you to cower in fear any longer. So all through history, they've been waiting for this moment. Jesus was born. He lived a sin-free life. And he gave his life, the greatest gift of all mankind. And the reason why we give gifts is to honor the gift that Jesus gave us of eternal life. Amen. Listen, that's why we do this. That's why we set this thing up every weekend. We have the coffee ready. We got kids going on. We're opening and closing doors. We're having compass. It's all because of Jesus. Jesus. And it's the greatest privilege that we have as the body of Christ to show others the truth about Jesus. Amen. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you for Jesus. It makes so much more sense now. We can't have Christmas without Jesus. Jesus is the reason we're celebrating, and it's not just a good idea. It is our salvation. He is our salvation. And so we're so very thankful, God, that we know the hope, that we know the truth, and that truth has set us free. Knowing changes things. Just knowing changes things for us, God. So in the midst of the the hubbub and the hoorah and the expectations that other people place on us during this time of year, Father, we pause in this moment and we just recognize Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We know you can hear us. Thank you. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for sacrificing your life and shedding your spotless blood for all of us that we can stand confidently in the presence of God, clean, pure, just as holy because you've made us the righteousness of God through Christ as you are. Thank you for that. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Friends, the key is accepting Jesus. The Bible says to believe in your heart, to believe that this story is true, to believe that this really happened, to believe that Jesus' spotless blood was shed for you. If you believe that, then the very next thing the Bible says is to confess with your mouth. Well, what does that mean? That means just to say a prayer. I believe. That's all you're doing. You believe, and then you just say, I believe. And we do that by just saying a simple prayer to God. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And just by way for you, just for you, so you know what day it was, so you remember where you are when you made a decision, I just ask that you raise your hands and let me know who I can pray for. No one else is looking around. If that's you and you need Jesus, just put your hand up and put it right back down. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna have you walk up here. Thank you. I'm not going to make you stand before anyone. I'm not going to have you leave the room. I believe that this can happen between you and Jesus, and this is so you know when it happened. Anybody else in the room? You need Jesus. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anybody else in the room? You once had a relationship with Jesus, but for whatever reason, you walked away from him, and you want to rededicate your life to him? It doesn't change your relationship that you walked away from him, but you just want to go on record to him and say, you know what? I'm coming back home. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else like that? I just want to rededicate my life today. Anybody, put your hand up put it right back down. This is what we're doing today. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hands down. This is it. This is the moment. This is why Jesus paid the price. This is why he came, is for this moment right here. And I don't want to rush it. Anybody else? Well, because the Bible says to believe and then just say something, to let it come out of your mouth. We're all going to say a prayer together. And so if you, if you raised your hands or should have raised your hands, you, when we say this out loud, you just mean this. With, every, with, with everything inside of you, as you know how, you just let your words mean this. Everybody say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for dying for me for shedding your blood in exchange for mine. and Right now, I ask you to forgive me. Wash away my past. To come and live inside of me. Because I'm choosing today to spend the rest of my life in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.